find uh, in today's uh, gospel something happening which happens not infrequently in social circles. People go to St. John and they tell him, uh, they start bad-mouthing Jesus, you know, and they say, hey, you know, the one you were with, he's baptizing more than you, and this and that. You know, uh, we find people like that in every in every social circle. We find sometimes people who are divisive, people who want to make divisions between people, and they're and they're trying to make divisions between John and Jesus. The beautiful thing is Saint John's answer to this divisiveness. He says to them, "A man." can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I am not the Christ, but I have sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. St. John describes himself as the friend of the bridegroom. For you and I, um, we're not really familiar with this term, friend of the bridegroom, but for them, St. John was really referring to something that was very clearly understood what it was and what the role of that person was. It was sort of kind of like the best man, um, except his role started much, much earlier than the wedding day. His role, the, the role of the friend of the bridegroom, started at the betrothal. So once there was like an official um, uh, agreement between the family of the bride and the family of the groom that this was something that was going to happen, then um, the bridegroom would designate a friend. And then that friend would be the go-between the bride and the groom. And so he would be carrying messages from the groom to the bride and from the bride back for the entire engagement period. And he would be sharing all of the messages of love that are going between the bride and the groom, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, right? The entire period of the betrothal. And then... Once the betrothal was done and now it was time for the wedding, the groom would gather his friends, um, and in and, and particular the friend of the bridegroom, but all of his other friends, and they would go from house to house inviting people to come to the wedding. Um, and that's why sometimes this invitation process could take an undescript period of time. It, you know, you never knew how long it was going to take which relates to very many of the other parables that Jesus talks about that have to do with weddings. But the role, like just focusing on the role of the friend of the bridegroom, he would go before the wedding posse, you know? He would go before them and prepare the way. He would go before them and knock on the doors and tell them, the bridegroom is coming and with him are his friends. So in each house, they would prepare uh, for them a meal or they would prepare for them tea or coffee or, you know, usual Middle Eastern hospitality. No such thing as someone talking to you at the door. They have to come in and they have to drink and they have to sit and they have to eat, right? So it was the friend of the bridegroom that would make it not a surprise. And then he would go finally to the house of the bride and tell her, tell her the, the bridegroom is coming, the bridegroom is coming. But that wasn't done. And then when the, when the wedding took place and then the groom and the bride went up to the wedding chambers to go and consummate their marriage, that was the final job of the friend of the bridegroom. He stood at the door and made sure that nothing disturbed this moment of love. Nothing disturbed their wedding night. 
right? And he would, and he would sleep at the doorstep on the, on the threshold of their, uh, uh, of their wedding chambers to make sure that nothing would disturb them. This was the job of the friend of the bridegroom. So he's telling them, when they tell him, but Jesus is baptizing more than you. He says, I'm the friend of the bridegroom. I'm not the, I'm not the bridegroom. I'm the friend of the bridegroom. My job is to be the go-between. My job is to be the one delivering the messages of love from the bridegroom to his bride. And the messages of love from the bride back to the bridegroom. My job is to prepare the way for the wedding posse. My, my job is to ensure that this wedding takes place the way it's supposed to. That's what my job is. So I rejoice when I hear the voice of the bridegroom. I don't mourn, oh no, the bride is taken from me. In all honesty, during the betrothal period, the friend of the bridegroom probably saw more of the bride than the bridegroom did. The friend of the bridegroom probably spent more time with the bride than the bridegroom did. St. John is telling them, he must increase, I must decrease. He's everything. He's the bridegroom. Very well, what does this have anything to do with us? This whole Blessed Coptic Month of Tuba is, is all focusing on baptism. And we found that today in, in Matins, we found the beginning of the Gospel of John chapter 3, and then now in the liturgy, the second half. So we've read basically John chapter 3, which is all about being born again of water and spirit. And the psalm says to us, we went through fire and through water, but you have brought us out to rich fulfillment. What does that mean? The fire here is the spirit and the water is the waters of baptism. When we receive the Holy Spirit and after we have been baptized, God is bringing us to rich fulfillment. What does that have to do with the gospel and all the other readings and the high priest going into the, into the high play, into, into the holy of holies, as it was saying in Hebrews, right? And that God is revealed to us through love in the gospel, in, in, the, in the epistle of John, chap, uh, uh, chapter 4, first epistle of John, right? And so on. What, what is all of this? How are all these things tied together? I tell you, it's very simple. It's very simple. You and I are the friend of the bridegroom. You and I, are you the bridegroom? Anybody here? Did I miss anybody? No? Right? No. Right? Are we the bride? Yes. But we who have tasted, we who have tasted the goodness of this God, we have, we have tasted what, it, what grace means, what forgiveness means. Folks, grace is not a concept which is present in any other religion, to my knowledge, or any other faith system. It's not pres present in any other philosophical system. It's not present in materialism. It's not present in atheism. Grace is something, it's a one-hit wonder. No one has ever thought that there is a God who functions based on grace, based on His character. He treats you and He treats me based on His character because it would be beneath Him to do anything less. There's, 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 this, is inaccessible to, this isn't accessible to the world unless we make it accessible. You and I are the friend of the bridegroom, bringing the messages of love from the bridegroom to his bride. Imagine that this world that is around us, 
Pick up the newspaper, okay? This is your homework, right? I don't read the newspaper. Pick up a newspaper or, or one of the, you know, free newspapers or whatever tomorrow morning, Monday morning. Flip through it. Everybody that that newspaper is talking about, all of the persons in that newspaper are supposed to be the bride of Christ. Every single one of them. You and I, you and I are the friend of the bridegroom. It's our job. It's our job to bring this message of love, this message of grace, this message of freedom to the world. And you're going to tell me, Abuna, you're a priest and you read a lot and you maybe you, you have some training. I don't. Uh, but maybe this and that. You, you, you know, you can go and talk to people. You could convince people. You could tell people. You could convert people. But me, not me. I, mean, I don't know. What, what do I know? I don't know anything. Right? I mean, I can hardly keep, keep it together. What does Jesus say? When Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, what does he say to him? He says, we can only speak of the things that we have seen and heard. We can only speak of the things that we have seen and heard. What do you know of God? What do you know about God? That's what God is asking you to share with people. Not what you don't know. Of course, God is calling each one of us not to remain the same in our knowledge of Him from day to day and never grow in our knowledge of Him. Yes, we need to all be in a process of growth and learning and, and knowing Him more, not only head knowledge, but also an experience of God more and more every day. But above and beyond that, above and beyond that, God is not calling, uh, not calling us to be, uh, you know, biblical scholars or theologians uh, in a very kind of academic sense. Maybe some of you are called to that. That's excellent. But for the overwhelming majority of us, God is calling us to witness. To witness. Not to teach or to expound or to, to witness. What does a witness do? They simply tell the people who are interested to hear what they have seen, what they have heard. When we get our head wrapped around this concept of witnessing, it's liberating. It's liberating that, that no, God is not asking of you something that you cannot do, and He's not asking of you something you don't have. What have you experienced? Have you come, have you come in confession, revealed all your sins, and been accepted with love? Yes. Where in the world is that available? Right? In an AA meeting, yes, absolutely. Is a, a, there is an a atmosphere of complete love and acceptance around the issue of alcoholism, not around all the other issues. You'll find that complete, whole, unconditional love and acceptance is only, I've only seen it in Jesus. I've never seen it anywhere else. Uh, and I'm w willing to be corrected. If someone wants to tell me something different, I'm willing to listen. The world needs to hear this. They need to hear your experience. Your friends, your colleagues, your neighbors. Nobody, nobody like, you know, like esoteric. Maybe you are called to go to the ends of the earth. Maybe you are, right? But f for a lot of us, we're called just to talk to our neighbors. 
and Mary was commenting that we live in a very friendly neighborhood now. And she says, we've talked more with our neighbors since the summer than we did. she did her entire life here in Toronto. And like Aurora and all the different places we've lived here in the city, right? Well, if I have these friendly neighbors, what excuse do I have to not tell them about Jesus, to not invite them, to not invite them to know Him? May God give you and give me the words, the inspiration, the, the, the know-how in the moment of what to do and what to say and what not to say, that we might also be the friend of the bridegroom, that we might, that we might increase and he might decrease. I'll finish with this one story that was found really remarkable. I was talking with one of, uh, one, one of the people um, who comes to me in confession, spiritual guidance, and so on, um, and I took his permission to share this story. Um, someone from out of town. We were talking on the phone, and um, he was trying to make a big life decision. And uh, he's trying to make this big life decision. And uh, I asked him, I often ask people this question. If, you, if, if God told you, whatever you choose, I will bless you. You choose. I will bless you. I'm not sure God says that or that he says it frequently. But suppose he did. What would you choose? Because it's important for us to know the, in, the inclinations of our own heart before we try to start hearing the voice of God. So I want him to be conscious of the inclinations of his own heart. He said to me, well, what do you mean, what would I choose? I said, like, if God told you, you choose, what would you choose? He said to me, well, I wouldn't know what to choose. I usually just do whatever, you know, God tells me to do in each, in each sort of different situation. So I kind of asked him again, I rephrased it, and he told me, look, Abuna, you know, in a movie... You know in a movie, there's like a main actor and a main actress and so on. And then there are extras. They're like people, like if there's a scene shot in a, you know, in a shopping mall or something and the two main characters are talking to each other, there'll be like other people like walking up and down and so on. You know, people in the stores and, and, and whatnot, right? He goes, the extras never win like, a, like a, an acting award or something. They, they, the extras are just extras. You can't have the movie without them. They're absolutely necessary to the movie, but um, they're not like, they're not the focus of the movie. I said, yeah. He goes, in my life, in the story of my life, in the movie of my life, I'm, I'm an extra. Jesus is the main character. That really took me back. Like, it really, it really made me think, you know, he must increase and I must decrease. You know, the moment that I see that it is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me, that Jesus is the main character, that Jesus is the focus, I find I have, I have little things to tell people about Jesus. It doesn't have to be like, you know, throwing Bibles at people and quoting Bible verses to people. Most people don't really care what the reference is. You know, you don't need to tell them, oh, that's uh, uh, John 5, 31. They, 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 they don't care. They don't care. Right? They care, people care about how you make them feel. May God give you and give me the ability and the opportunities to invite people into a life giving relationship with Him. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. I have sinned for you, my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Please pray for me.